Hello, I'm Philippe de Montebello, and it is my immense pleasure to welcome you to the first episode of The Picture Conversations with Aquavella Galleries. From time to time, over the next several months, we will be sharing with you news stories and discussions with artists, curators, and the creative minds who lead the conversation in the art world. When curator Bill Lieberman and I decided to present to the Mets Acquisition Committee Freud's Naked Man from Behind, which was being offered by Covella Galleries, we were a bit apprehensive, as a number of our trustees were fairly conservative in their taste, and several were very proper ladies, one of whom was Brooke Astor. As it turned out, Brooke was seated for the whole meeting directly across from the picture. When time came for the trustees to vote, Brooke asked to speak, which was a bit unusual as discussions had already taken place and my heart sank. So Brooke spoke, and I quote, I sat and was faced for I know not how long with a repulsive mound of flesh, and all I wanted was to turn away. But as the meeting went on, something strange happened. Little by little, all that blubber began to turn to paint to beautifully applied thick layers of paint. So, I recommend the purchase. The picture is now at the Metropolitan Museum on a regular view. For the premiere of the picture podcast, I am pleased to present Bill Aquavella, head of Aquavella Galleries, in conversation with the author and artist David Dawson, as the two share an illuminating discussion about their dear friend, the remarkably talented painter Lucian Freud. Hello, I'm Bill Aquavella. I'm here with David Dawson. We're going to talk about Lucian Freud today. David is uh, Lucian's assistant and has been a friend of his for years. I met Lucian in 1992. Now, David, you know as well as I do some of the things that we enjoyed about Lucian. <laughs> I have one I have to tell you because I remember it so well. I was going to lunch with Lucian one day and we went outside of his studio uh, to hail a cab and all these empty cabs are going by and no cab would stop. So I said to Lucian, what do you think is going on? He said, well, you know, they see all the paint on my pants and they don't want to stop because they think I'll mess up the car seat. So I said, well, why don't you go inside and change your pants? He said, no, no, I'll do this. So he gets behind a trash basket <laughs> so the guy can't see his pants. And the car, first cab that comes, stops, we get in, we go to lunch. I mean, that was Lucian. That, <laughs> typical Lucian. Did you ever um, experience driving with him? I did. That was a surprise. Uh, he had a Bentley, an old Bentley, and stop signs meant nothing. nothing. Oncoming cars meant nothing. And if he was parked next to another car, I felt sorry for that car. Yeah, he just bumped it out of the way until he <laughs> yeah, fitted. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you, how long were you with, with So I him? met him just before you, around 1990. Right. And I met him because I just graduated from art school and I had a part-time job with James Kirkman, who was his dealer till then. And then he split with James and, and painted on his own for two years before he met you. Mm. So he had a studio full of amazing paintings when you first walked in. Really, That's right. I, I, had met, I had met Lucian... Uh, at David Beaufort's house for a couple of times for dinner. Uh, and I owned one Freud painting, which I had bought from James Kirkman. Okay. was a head. 
and I, I wasn't really interested in taking on any new artists at the time. Yeah. But uh, about in 92, I got a call from a friend of mine saying that Lucian would like to have lunch with you the next time you come to London. So, you know, I said, okay. And my wife came along and we met for lunch. Uh, and then he invited us back to his studio. And as you said, he, he didn't have a dealer for two years, so there's plenty of art to see. But anyway, he pulls out three paintings by of Lee Bowery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lee Bowery was a performance artist, an Australian performance artist, who weighed about what, 265 pounds, yeah. would you say? Yeah, he's a big, big guy. Big guy. And uh, he pulled out these three pictures, and they were just monumental pictures, absolutely spectacular. And I got taken with them, and I made a deal with them then to. Uh, take them on and I said what we'll do is we'll make a deal for two years and if it works for you fine and if it works for me fine if not we'll just yeah dissolve it and he said fine we never signed a paper no, we never did anything we shook hands we shook hands yeah. and, uh, and that's and off we went yeah and it was a great great relationship that built from there wasn't no, it was it? great it was great I mean uh, I go to London now and I can't tell you how much I miss him yeah he made a trip to London really fun um, but those last 20 years of his life, he really did um, stretch himself, didn't he, with his ambition and his, the sheer size of the paintings, never mind the sort of quality of them. He went to another level, really, didn't he? And you really introduced him into America, in a sense, didn't you? That's right. Uh, and he had the big show at the Met. Well, he had one show uh, at the Hirshhorn earlier on in the 80s, I yeah. believe. Uh, but I was the first one to bring him over here and offer him for sale and uh, get him get him into some some collections. In fact, the three Bowery paintings that I saw in London, and the first three that I bought from him, I saw the first one to the Hirshhorn Museum. Yeah, yeah. to Jim Jim, Jim Dimitri. Yeah. yeah, brilliant man. And then I sold one to the Metropolitan, which Philippe de Montebello saw and got excited about and, and bought for the Met. And then the third one I sold to a collector in Seattle. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so that was the beginning of, uh, of a long relationship. But it really, I mean, he really caught the public's imagination, didn't he, that show at the Met? I mean, people really did want to come and see the paintings. It wasn't a sort of contrived... I mean, the foot traffic was big, wasn't it? The attendance figures. The attendance was terrific at the Met. And, yeah. and that really did make Lucien much, much more international from then on. Right. Well, you've sat for him many times. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to count how many paintings okay. you sat for. There were eight paintings. Yeah. The extraordinary thing is when you first went to, into his studio, it was on the top floor of a house in West London in Holland Park. So you had to climb the stairs. There was no elevator. And when you got to the top floor, a little bit out of breath, Lucien was there dancing around, wasn't he? He was very light on his feet. But the, the rooms were rather small, wasn't it? All these paintings, All these paintings were done in a very small domestic space. And, well, in fact, a very large Lee Bowery under the skylight. Yeah. Didn't you have to take that well, out that through the, most, the skylight to was, get it out of exactly, the Exactly. All the really large paintings we had to then... There was a purpose-built skylight that we had to lift the painting through onto the roof crate it up on the roof and then rope it down the outside of the building it was nerve-wracking yeah, <laughs> very nerve-wracking Lucien was fraught with tension at that but we managed every one L um, Lucien asked me if uh, I would sit for him uh, 
And I said, you know, I'd love to, but, you know, you take too long, and I don't have the time to spend all that it would take to do a portrait. So he said, well, I just did John Richardson's portrait, and it's, it took me two weeks. And he shows me a little small kind of book-sized painting that he did. So I said, okay, well, that I can do. So, of course, I get there the, in, in June, and uh, I go to sit for him, and it was a heat wave in London, and this studio was boiling. I, I said, you know, we've got to get a fan in here. I'll never make it through this sitting here. And anyway, so we do, and uh, we start sitting, and I sat for uh, two weeks at a time, from 8.30 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon, and I did it in four separate sessions, so I ended up spending eight weeks with them. And they were without question the most okay. relaxing, the most fun eight weeks I've had. He was very, very good company, wasn't he? And he was unbelievable. And to watch him paint, yeah, which I thought was really, really exciting. That was very exciting, I mean, seeing how he put the paint down. He used to wear these uh, aprons, and he would get the, the cloth for these aprons, from what hospitals and well, there was yeah, like a warehouse that was sort of selling used, cleaned bed linen from ho from hotels and yeah. So it'd be you'd buy them by the weight and you'd bring kilos and kilos of these old bed sheets back. And he would rip them, you know, off. clean his brushes on them and what have you. Then he'd rip them off and tear another one and put it on. He had an extraordinary way of painting, didn't he? Because he'd mix every color and every tone on his palette, which he held in his right hand. Then he'd just put one or two brushes onto the canvas, and then he'd scrape that paint off and remix another color. Yeah. So it was a very, very slow um, process. And I think he did that because he was constantly looking at you, wasn't he? And he was watching yep. you, and, and it all helped him make decisions as to how to put a mark on the yeah, canvas. I mean, every time he put the brush to canvas, he would then wipe it off and yeah, mix a new color, color yeah. for the next time he put it on. So, it was, I mean, you could see him build your... He'd start with a charcoal of kind of a... Just to get the... Uh, the form, or just the scale, the, the really. The scale, wasn't it? really, he'd get. And then he'd start from between your eyes, yeah, yeah. and he'd build it out. Almost building from inside out, in a way, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could see him just laying on the layers of structure and your bone structure underneath your skin. It was amazing. He, he was a wonderful guy. And, yeah. you, and very, very quick and witty and always had very quick observations about people. There was a great story about the famous picture where you replaced okay. Jerry Hall. Yeah. Uh, Mick Jagger had just had a baby with Jerry Hall and Jerry Hall was sitting for Lucian and uh, she was nursing the baby and it was a painting where there was a a man sitting on a couch reading a book and a dog underneath the couch and then there was Jerry yeah. Hall nursing her baby then there was an open window okay. into the street I mean it was a very large picture really very nice and Mick Jagger wanted to know how much it was he wanted to buy it well I couldn't give him a price because I, I never got a price till the picture was finished so I said and he insisted insisted so finally I called Lucian I said listen he really wants to buy this picture, let's just give him a price. So he gives me a price and Mick buys it. So I'm, you know, that's the last I think about that picture. And about two months later, I get a call from Lucian and he says, uh, Bill, I want you to be the first to know the picture's had a sex change. <laughs> I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, Jerry Hall didn't show up for a few sittings, so I've put David's head on her body. 
Okay, so you can imagine, you know, Mick Jagger calls me up, you know, what's going on? My God, she's been sitting there for, for a year and now she's not in the picture. I said, obviously, you don't have to buy the picture. There's not much I can do about that. And of course, he didn't buy the picture. And then I, it then came back to me in New York and I'm thinking, how am I going to sell this picture? I mean, who's going to buy this picture with, a, with a, you know, a, a, the body of a woman nursing a child and, and, and David's head on it? And, and the first person who saw it bought it. Brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's really a great painting. It's it a great really painting. It's one of his best, I think. I, I, do, I do think it's one of his best. And it, was, and it was interesting, you know, I was thinking, when Bacon died, yeah. it was after that that Lucian really exploded size-wise on his campuses, yeah. don't you think? Yeah. Was he doing much bigger campuses? Much, much bigger. It's the, you know, the start of Lee Bowery is the big canvases. Exactly. And then the series with Big Sue. Right. Um, and he just continued, didn't he? The one after the other, the Brigadier. Right, eight legs. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the last 20 years of Lucian's life was, he was an incredible painter. And the other fascinating thing with Lucian, he started very young as a really good painter and he continued, didn't he? A long life of nothing but painting. And not many artists can do that. And I've just made this big book, like a, a monograph on, on a comprehensive body of his work. And it is, by the decade, you can see a masterpiece in every decade. That Absolutely. Well, he never let anything out of his studio that he didn't, didn't think was yeah. appropriate and, and finished. And, and that was one of the things I did with Lucian, was physically destroy paintings he wasn't happy with. Right. He'd heard, you know, he knew with Bacon that Bacon would throw things in the dustbin and then people would go and rummage through the dustbins and retrieve these rejected works. So Lucian was really, really careful and we really did shred paintings he did not want out of the studio. Right. So the brilliant thing now is that there's, no, there's nothing that he doesn't like that survives in the world. So he really knew what he wanted the world to see. He's always 10 steps ahead of everyone, I feel, isn't he? Right. Well, that, that's very true. I mean, sometimes you'd go there and you'd see a painting and I'd say to myself, you know, God, this is really hard or this is, you know, the, you know but I would never say anything because he was always ahead of me. I mean, you know, and then it, it could be a, six months later or a year later, you look at this thing and say, wow, this is really good, yeah. you know, but you wouldn't necessarily see it right the first minute. Yeah. And mean, he put many, many, many hours and days and months into a painting. He, I think he believed in the more concentration you put into a work, quality comes out of that. And I think he's learned that right from day one and he kept that with him. He never slacked off on quality or got lazy with himself or... I think he just really, really wanted to make the best painting he could possibly make. His, his attention to detail... Yeah. I always have blue shirts I was wearing at the right. time. And I showed up one day when I was sitting for him and I'd put on another blue shirt that was just a little different in tone of blue. And he said, what'd you do to your shirt? Uh, you know, I, I didn't even know it was a different yeah. one. And I said, well, it's just a little different. I, he said, well, you know, I, I can't work on it. I said, well, come on, what, what difference does it make? It's blue. He said, no, it's going to change the color of your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, he was, everything counted. He would never put, a, he'd never put any background on the painting no. if you weren't there sitting. No, he had to, he believed that you affected the air around you, the atmosphere. And it's sort of true in a way, isn't it? Yeah. I can see as a painter that you would, the scale would be different if you weren't there to bounce off, you know, how that window rests, sits next to your ear or 
I can see how it changes the scale of things and, and it needs your presence to make the painting sort of jump around and be alive, really. I don't remember all the stories of how he ended up finding some of the models that he found, but he was always in, in the letters they wrote, right? Isn't Yeah. In, I mean, he, he would sometimes pick someone to sit for him, not necessarily on the looks or anything, but because he liked the way they wrote the letter asking to sit. He was very, very um, intuitive on people's character and personality. And I think later in life, he was very quick at understanding if that person was sympathetic to be able to commit to sitting. Because one of the things you really need to do is commit to your time to him and be punctual. It would upset him too much if you came in half an hour late. You just ban it. Mm. And, and and he always had a day painting and a night painting. Yeah. And so one model, whoever was sitting, would come for the day, and then at night, someone else would come about what time would they come around nine o'clock or something? Yeah, or seven or eight in the evening. Then work through till midnight. Yeah. Um, no, he really, really put the hours in, and only it was only Lucian that that ever painted the cameras. No, he never. You know, I was the only assistant or friend. I never, ever, ever touched the cameras. Every mark on his oh, absolutely he, on his cameras are his. Um, I'd prime them, but that was it. But he had a he had a, an absolute passion for life, didn't he? And that's what he what he was painting about. He really wanted to find the nitty gritty in life to pin it down on the canvas. Also, David, I think we could talk a bit about this exhibition we're going to have in the spring of Lucian's work, which you are the curator for. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited, and we're calling it Monumental. Right. And it's just the large paintings that he did in his last 20 years that, right. that you know very, very well yourself. And we will have some female nudes in there. Yeah. That are, yeah. But it is, they are all quite large, I, large uh, iconic paintings now. There'll be the Lee Bowery, Big Sue. And then after um, that, Lucien then did a group of, yes, he did eight paintings of single girls, just one painting of each girl, all on quite a large format, lying on a bed. And they're not quite as well known, but they're amazing. They're, they're sort of rather gentle, but full of... We will try to have some of those yeah. in the exhibition. I mean, this is going to be a lone exhibition. Yeah. So uh, It's quite difficult to pull them back in. Yeah, there. we're now trying to pull them back in from the museums and the, the private collectors. But so far we've had a good response, good. so I think we have a chance of getting what we want. And you'll be able to see the painting, I hope, of me breastfeeding with <laughs> the, my head on Jerry's body. <laughs> so David, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it was a pleasure to always talk to you about Lucian. It brings back old memories. I'm looking forward to the exhibition which you're curating, as I say, uh, here at the gallery coming this spring. Well, it's good to be back in New York, and um, it too, I too enjoy catching up with you and hearing and talking about Lee Sin. It brings back very strong memories, and, and good memories, aren't they? And thank you, all of you, our listeners, for joining us in this first episode of The Picture, Conversations with Aquabella Gallows. 